Hello and welcome to Outspoken, your dose of the hottest influencer and pop culture news twice a week. I'm Kate Torber and I'm joined by my sisters and journalists Amy and Sophie. On today's show, Tammy Hembro's casting call controversy, Fox Sports sacks reporter over sexist and homophobic message, and why are we so judgmental about weddings? But first, former Bachelorette and journalist Georgia Love and her partner Lee Elliott are facing backlash after promoting an all-expenses-paid trip to Saudi Arabia, a country well-known for its human rights atrocities. Sophie, what happened? Well, it has been a turbulent six months for Georgia Love. In September of last year, she was taken off the air by Seven News following a casual racism scandal, which also saw her losing a string of lucrative brand deals. Now, at the end of February, Georgia announced she was leaving Seven News for a job in PR. And soon after that announcement, she started teasing that she and Lee were off on an overseas adventure now that international borders were open. She urged her followers to guess where they were off to. And it seems that none of her followers guessed correctly. So Georgia shared a photo of her and husband Lee arriving at King Khalid International Airport with the caption, well, I can categorically say not one person guessed we're in Saudi Arabia. After only opening to tourists in 2019, we can't state how excited we are to be among the first Aussies to tour Saudi. To us, it's important to see, experience and learn about all cultures around us and to see how much and how fast our world is changing. We can't wait to bring you along on this incredible experience with us. So as part of the post, Georgia included the hashtag visit Saudi and also tagged the Instagram page by the same name. Now, Georgia and Lee were part of a group of 10 influencers from around the globe flown over to promote the Middle Eastern country. Among them was a Lithuanian travel blogger called Sky Nate, whose Instagram posts include Georgia and Lee in the background. Now, Georgia and Lee have both faced backlash following their Instagram posts, and this is because Saudi Arabia's government has copped heavy criticism for its human rights abuses, including its treatment of women and its LGBTQI plus community, as well as for repressing political opposition. Both followers and critics were quick to show their outrage about the trip. Entertainment journalist Peter Ford tweeted a link to a news article revealing Saudi Arabia recently executed 81 convicts in a single day. Peter wrote, this is the country Georgia Love accepted a free trip to visit. Of the 81, you can be sure there is a disproportionate number of women, gays and possibly journalists. Did you really need a freebie trip that badly, Georgia? One follower also wrote, they executed 82 people a few days ago, not to mention the lack of women's rights and the LGBTQI plus community. Being a journalist, it might have been a good idea to research a country before promoting it. Their human rights are appalling, disappointing. Seems a free holiday is more important than morals. Another said, why not use your influence slash platform to promote somewhere that doesn't have an atrocious record of human rights violations? Now, in the comment section, Georgia denied it was a paid partnership. She said, we do not in any way endorse behaviors of the past or any human rights violations that have occurred in this country. We are also not being paid to be here. We are here for ourselves and to experience and see a different country and culture, as that is for us what travel is about. We want to see and experience as much of the world as we can. This includes all cultures and religions, whether we follow them, agree with them or not. Lee also weighed in and responded to the criticism on his post. He said, I truly hear and understand what you're saying and where you're coming from. We thought long and hard about coming and we decided to come as the world is changing for the better and Saudi along with it. We strongly believe by Saudi opening up to the rest of the world and by tourists being here, it has to be more 
more accountable and hope this is a change for the better. Trust me, we looked into it before coming and believe many things have changed for the better in more recent times and hope they continue to do so. Now, after the criticism, Lee also praised the country, saying the trip was organized and run solely by women who were here on the ground leading the tour. Now, News.com weighed in and reported that despite Lee saying that the tours were led heavily by females, the other influences on the trip seemed to be posting about male tour guides, so it didn't really add up. Mm, Well, it gets even murkier because despite claiming that the trip was not a paid partnership, Georgia tagged Instagram page Visit Saudi in all of her posts and used the hashtag Visit Saudi, which is, of course, a telltale sign of a paid partnership or a gifted partnership. Yeah, well, there's obviously goods exchanging hands at some point here. And the Herald Sun reported that the couple weren't paid directly for the trip, but Saudi Arabian tourism approached the couple and was fitting the bill for the airfares, accommodation and expenses. And Sophie, when you were reading out George's response, they were quite clever with their words. We were not paid to go on the trip. It's like, but you got a free trip. Well, currently, Georgia and Lee, they are actually still on the trip. I believe it may be their last day there today. And they continue to be in the behind the scenes vision in the other influencers Instagram posts. However, on Friday, Georgia and Lee removed all of their posts about the trip on their Instagram pages. And I'm really interested because considering this trip is pretty much a contra deal, I wonder how the organizers feel that their posts have been removed because presumably, well, Really, realistically, they received the trip in exchange for exposure, but now that exposure has been removed. Yeah, but the exposure has been so negative. So I'm sure that the Saudi tourism organizers would want them to remove all of the images because there are so many bad comments under each of the posts. Yeah, but that being said, there would be some people who would have seen the Instagram stories and thought, wow, this is a part of the world I've never thought about visiting. So the backlash you think has been good for tourism? No, I'm not saying it's, it's great. But out of there would have been a percentage of her followers who probably would have thought, hey, that's a new holiday destination. Yeah, but there might have been a lot of people that didn't know how bad Saudi Arabia's human rights violations are. So I do understand the decision to remove the post. It's beneficial to both parties, I think, in this instance. Now, in regards to this backlash, I feel like Georgia Love is being held to a higher standard because she is a journalist. She is expected to know what's going on in the world. And now that she's working in PR, I think people would also assume that she would think really strategically about what brands or partnerships she's choosing to align herself with. I think that's why there has been such strong reaction to this. And despite the fact that Lee said that they both had thought long and hard about the trip, I believe they really made the wrong decision. I think it's a culmination of bad press for Georgia Love as well. She was very well loved in Australia after being on The Bachelorette. And I just think it's this downward negative spiral of bad press after bad press. Yeah, I think that by accepting an all expenses paid trip to Saudi Arabia, a country that is so well known for beheading women and members of the LGBTQI community, as well in particular journalists, it just was such a bad move. And I don't think that there would have been so much outrage if they just went or chose to go to Saudi Arabia themselves. The fact that they're receiving some sort of kickback or payment in the form of a trip to promote the country is what people really seem to have a problem with. So if I agree with your point about people expecting more from Georgia because she has been a journalist, and I think it is because her recommendations offer more weight, she has more credibility. So people are sad to see her putting her name behind a country which may not be a safe place for people to travel to. Well, that's the thing, particularly when you're in a situation 
situation where you're being provided protection by the country's tourism department and they want to ensure that you have the most fantastic time in their country. It is a little bit different for maybe some a young woman who's choosing to go over there because she's seen it on Georgia Love's Instagram account, but she doesn't have the sort of safety measures in place that someone who is being brought over by the tourism company does have. Mm. Well, playing devil's advocate here, does simply visiting a country mean that you agree with how that country is running and what's happened in the past? Because for many traveling, it's all about experiencing different cultures and lifestyles. So it doesn't necessarily mean that when you visit a country that you advocate for everything that that country represents while you're visiting it. Well, you make a really good point, Kate, because think about Bali. I mean, we had members of the Bali Nine, fellow Australians who were executed for drug offences over there, and it hasn't stopped people from travelling. I really do think that the backlash has a lot to do with this changing perception of Georgia Love following that casual racism scandal. And I do think that she is being put under a very big microscope at the moment, and every single move she's making is being analysed. We have had, and it's not a phrase I would often use, the holiday from hell. Tammy Hembro has sparked debate about payment in the modelling industry after posting a casting call on her Instagram story. Sophie, what happened? Yeah, well, as you say, Amy, Tammy put out a casting call on her Instagram for women to model her activewear brand, Saski. Now, the advert asked applicants to email a headshot, their size, and a link to their social media accounts to their official casting email, which was supplied in the post. The post then went on to say that the four Saski girls chosen will receive an unreleased activewear set plus a $200 voucher. It then wished the entrance good luck. Now, this post has sparked debate about whether it is fair to compensate models for their time with free products or vouchers, or whether we should expect those entering the industry to work for exposure and to build connections. What do you guys think? I think it's important to point out that modeling is a very real job. We found that out the hard way by trying to take photos for our album cover work. And I have a huge amount of respect for models. It is a tough gig and most models do work with agencies and those agencies then take a percentage of their fee. So it's a big business. And I think it's really disrespectful to just offer someone a $200 voucher and a couple of activewear sets. Yeah, and models have spent many years mastering their craft. And I feel like when brands decide to do call-outs like these, real models lose these opportunities because unfortunately, a $200 clothing voucher isn't going to pay their tax, rent, petrol or household bills. And having the right model to represent you in 2022 is huge. These days, I feel like as a society, we expect so much more. And for brand selection of a model to represent what that brand believes in or how they want to be seen. Have you noticed, though, that it seems like influencers are putting out these brand calls now that we dictate that we want to see different sorts of models? We want to see different sizes, different shapes, different ethnicities. And it's like, oh, well, I have to then put a call out for those type of people because those people aren't going to be represented by modeling agencies and I can just pay them the the pittance because they're not real models like that's how I feel it's like very disrespectful and it's also they think oh I'm covering my ass by getting uh, a mix of people in but actually it's very offensive because they're saying oh well you're not really worth the real fee of a typical model well that's the thing in some states like in Adelaide for example we have worked with brands and we have gone to modeling agencies and sometimes it is difficult to find the exact look that you're after so I understand that they may have wanted to do a broader call out online to try and discover new talent but I think that the offer of clothing vouchers 
is a bit unfair considering how profitable Saski is. I mean, I could definitely understand more startup businesses or smaller brands offering exposure and vouchers as an incentive, but I don't understand why they wouldn't fairly compensate the models when they clearly have the money to do so because these models are adding a lot to their brand. These brand campaigns are huge. They make huge bank off selling out activewear brands. And I don't understand why as a business move, you wouldn't just properly compensate people for their time. The thing is, a lot of people would pay money to be in a Saski campaign for the experience to put that on their resume or in their portfolio to say that they've worked for a big brand. I do like the fact that they are trying to open it up to real people. But I do agree with your point, Kate, that is is a bit offensive to say, oh, we do want real people in it, but we're not actually going to pay you any money. We're going to give you a voucher. I agree with you, Amy. There is the other argument that this sort of exposure for an up-and-coming model could be huge if they get tagged in the photo because Saski does have over half a million followers and it also could be a good networking move for the model who could befriend one of the country's biggest influencers. However, at the end of the day, whether the person is a real model or a real person, they're still working and using their time basically for free for the promise of clothes. And this is while the brand earns so much money from the campaigns and photos that they feature in. Well, if we do delve into this topic further, modeling is a female dominated industry. And I feel like we would never expect men in a male dominated profession to work for vouchers. Yeah, that's the thing. It just seems to worsen the gender pay gap if we're expecting female dominated areas to just work for free clothes or gifted things. It just doesn't seem fair. It is kind of interesting as well if you do compare it to how fellow influencer and entrepreneur Brittany Saunders handles her marketing. Because when Brit's brand Fate advertised for models, they didn't specify a size. Their only request was that the models must be confident in front of a camera and they also paid them for their work. Can I just say something? <clears throat> yes. Um, you, can, you can never have enough hats, gloves and shoes. Fox reporter Tom Morris has been sacked after audio surfaced online of him making sexist and homophobic comments about a female colleague in a WhatsApp group. Amy, can you tell us how this all unfolded? Yeah, so journalist Tom Morris was in the spotlight for a very different reason on Wednesday last week. During a post-game press conference, he was unfairly berated by Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge, who labelled him a gutter journalist. Now, we won't go into all the boring details, but basically Morris reported correct information about the club and was unfairly attacked by the coach. The Bulldogs coach was slammed for his outburst and later released an official apology to Morris. Yeah, the general consensus was that Luke Beveridge had been particularly harsh towards Tom Morris, particularly when you think about sports journalism. And a lot of the time, all of the sports journos are in the club's pockets. They won't report on anything because they don't Mm. want to get the club offside. Mm. So for a journo to actually be reporting on facts that are happening at the clubs is really important and it does hold clubs to account. So there was a lot of positive publicity around Morris. So the next day, a video recording surfaced online and quickly went viral. The video was a screen recording of a WhatsApp group chat between Morris and some friends. So some of his friends had taken a photo off their TV screen of a Fox Sports presenter called Megan Barnard and asked Morris, I quote, who's this little baddie? He responded with a voice message saying what a top chick Barnard is and that she's super hot and great to talk to but is a lesbian. He then made a slur saying that Barnard has her liquor license and she's good at it. Now, you guys have heard this audio. It hasn't actually been shared on news websites. I believe this is due to legalities. What was your first thoughts when hearing this audio? 
Oh, he just came across as a tosser. I'm sorry, I have to put it out. He just came across as a jerk. And as someone who has worked in newsroom, he just seemed like that typical lad in the newsroom that we've all come across. And I mean, sorry, I might sound naive, but I didn't really know what a liquor license meant. I've never actually heard it used Mm. in this way. And it was really interesting to see the way this story progressed and how he so quickly became the baddie in this Well, Fox Sport acted swiftly and they suspended Morris whilst they investigated what they described as an inappropriate audio recording. And there have been reports that a second recording exists, which is unrelated to Barnard, which allegedly contains racist comments. Now, it was a very quick investigation by Fox Sport because they announced the same day that they had sacked Morris, citing a zero tolerance policy. Now, Fox Sports executive director Steve Crawley released a statement saying our culture at Fox Sport is based on a respectful, inclusive environment and a fair go for all. While Tom's journalism has made a valuable contribution to Fox Sport over the past seven years, the message we became aware of yesterday crossed the line. It was unacceptable. We have the best in the business working at Fox Sport. We love what we do. We have a reputation as a great place to work. The bottom line is we are committed to a work environment where everyone can come to work in the knowledge they are safe, respected and valued. We have zero tolerance for anything less than that what do you guys make of fox sports response well firstly i do want to point out for those who haven't seen the exchange between the western bulldogs coach and tom but it was super awkward because tom kept saying oh fox sports backs me i'm backed by them so for them to swiftly turn around and get rid of him really says a lot and i think it is so great that Fox acted so swiftly because from a PR perspective, they did the right thing in shutting this down immediately and saying they have zero tolerance for this sort of behavior, particularly considering he has worked there for seven Mm. years. It is quite a big call for them to make. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of men online commenting on articles about this incident and they've either left revolting comments about what a waste it is that Barnard is gay or they've said, oh, I don't get what the big deal is. And just to put it to them, the big deal is it is completely inappropriate to talk about a colleague's sexuality full stop. But also it's beyond disgusting to talk about it in such a derogatory way. And it's something that needs to stop. This boys club culture starts from these vile group chats, which are filled with apparent jokes and slurs. And if we want to make workplaces a safe space for everyone, This sort of crap needs to be stamped out. And I'm so happy to see that Fox Sports has stamped it out. And it's refreshing to see an organization which, let's be honest, would have a lot of male executives say, no, this isn't okay." Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it hits home a little bit for us because obviously, Amy, you cannot talk about it. But almost six years ago now... We had comments thrown. Well, you had comments mm. thrown at you regarding your sexuality yeah. with someone questioning and saying, Oh, well, one in three women is a lesbian, Amy, so you must be a lesbian. And the man in question was not punished in any way. If anything, he was rewarded. And those who were deemed the issue, i.e., us, were gotten rid of. Yeah. So it is so fantastic to see that this sort of commentary, even though that it didn't actually happen in the workplace, but this sort of commentary around a colleague is being taken so seriously. And I do really feel for 
for Barnard because it would be incredibly awkward to be brought into this narrative mm. and the stories that are going on because I'm sure it's taking away from the great work that she's doing. Yeah. Well, there has been a lot of high-profile support for Fox Sports' decision. So AFL Chief Executive Gil McLaughlin labelled the comments clearly unacceptable. Gary Lyon also condemned the comments. And Fox footy and ABC commentator Kelly Underwood, who was the first female footy commentator, made a really good point. She said that the onus is now on men to stand up to this type of behaviour and lead the charge for change. She said, we as women and as leaders in the industry, we can scream from the rooftops and get accused of sticking up for your mates or whinging. Where are the men? That's what's going to change the culture here. And I completely agree with Kelly. And to be honest, having previously worked, as Sophie said, in the media, I've seen this time and time again, where people or organizations will publicly condemn something, but then do it themselves. And I think that men need to start calling each other out when these types of group chats go on and say, listen, that's not actually cool to say that. And we also need to stamp out this rhetoric that boys will be boys. And these are the types of conversations that are normal for them to have. I also think it's really fascinating that this conversation took part in a friend WhatsApp group. Now, I'm led to believe that the friends exposed this audio, which really says a lot about how they feel about Tom. Well, it's either one of the friends who has leaked it or it is a friend who has sent it on to another friend and they have leaked it. But why would you ever send that audio on to another friend uh, unless you're trying to stitch your friend up or say what a jerk they are? Exactly. So, Kate, how has Megan Barnard responded? Because I really felt for her being at the centre of this media story. Well, she has handled herself incredibly well. She's currently in New Zealand anchoring the ICC Women's World Cup and she put out a statement on Instagram on Sunday saying she'd been overwhelmed by the public support but said coming out should never be taken out of someone's hands. Megan wrote, to everyone who has reached out, thank you. Fortunately, I'm at a place in my life where I am comfortable with who I am and I can handle something deeply personal becoming public. But had this happened as recently as a few years ago, it would not have been the case. Coming out is a process and should never be taken out of someone's hands, nor should anyone be spoken about in such a degrading manner. I hope my experience can be a catalyst for change in not just the sports industry, but in every industry. Well, Megan made a great point because this leaked recording has literally outed her and has plastered her sexuality all over the newspapers. So Megan hadn't discussed her sexuality publicly. And why should she have to? She's a reporter and her sexuality has nothing to do with her job. It is a really interesting one because I don't know who to point the blame at for outing Megan because... Obviously, this video went viral online and it was within the public interest for the media to report on it. But is it actually Morris's fault for making the disgusting claims? Or is there any onus on the friends to have not publicly shared this? Are they at fault? Whoever shared this video, are they just as much to blame as Morris? Or are they actually the good guys for exposing this journalist's behavior? Well, I think Megan is the clear victim amongst this all. The audio recording had nothing to do with him facing off against the Western Bulldogs. Yes, it has raised his profile and it has put him in the spotlight. However, I think that this could have been handled internally. That being said, obviously, someone chose to put it out there on social media. I think the media itself, ethically, they probably shouldn't have included Megan's name. Yes, of course, if they said a colleague, it does whittle it down to some people, but not everyone knows who works behind the scenes of Fox Sports. The thing is, people are going to go and seek out this recording and they're going to find out who it was. Could the friends not have bleeped out her name? 
Yeah, completely, Amy. I think that Megan's identity should have been withheld from this whole conversation and it is incredibly hard and unfair on her. I do really wonder how the Western Bulldogs coach reacted to this because, I don't know, it just seems to all be too neat how this journo who he came up against has been completely destroyed in the media. I know. It's very very interesting timing. It's a bit iffy, isn't it? It is. I just personally hope that the way Fox Sports has reacted to this by getting rid of Morris makes men think twice about discussing women in such a disgusting way. And it has given a real insight into conversations men have in these boys group chats. And I suppose it just makes you realize that really anything that you put out there through whether it's on social media or whether it's in a group chat can get out there. So people need to think wisely about what they post. It really blows my mind that people record voice memos or vision of themselves like that in this day and age. But out, Sharon, this is my day. Mum, I specifically asked for more orgasma and rhino stone. The internet went into a frenzy on Friday night when an influencer shared a photo of her wearing a white dress to her friend's wedding. The judgment that followed was swift and harsh, so much so that the bride was forced to defend her friend's decision on the night of her wedding. Out of respect for the bride, we are not naming the influencer as we don't want to add any more distress or distraction from her special day. However, we did want to discuss the immense judgment around weddings and just how ridiculous some of the traditions are. I've now been engaged for 10 months and am deep in the wedding planning process. Well, Sophie and Amy, you both have been engaged for three months. And I think the judgment actually starts the day you get engaged and people ask you about the way your partner proposed and they they judge the ring. Did you guys feel that judgment from the start? I feel like it was different for you and I because I don't feel like the judgment was so much around how they proposed, but around the fact that they did it on the same day and whether we were upset about that. And then there was judgment that the rings were the same. Well, I personally feel a little bit of judgment around the fact that I haven't locked in a date. Well, I mean, talking about all of this judgment, I feel like we are all guilty of judgment as well. I mean, there's been so many times on this podcast that we've discussed influencers' rings or the way they were proposed. I feel Mm. like it's kind of human nature to comment on weddings because always when I go to a wedding, I can't help but view things as, oh, would I want to have this or do I not like that? Like you kind of use it as a judgment on things that you want to do for your wedding. It's funny you say that, Soph, because I had dinner with some friends a couple months ago and we were talking about wedding planning and they were asking us what Dale and I wanted to do. And then they started talking about friends' weddings they'd been to, which weren't so impressive. And it made me really nervous to actually say what I wanted to have on the day because I felt like there might be some judgment around it. The thing is, in most aspects of life, people seem to understand the rule that you need to keep your thoughts to yourself about people's personal decisions that don't affect you. However, when it comes to weddings, it's a whole different story. And as you were saying, Soph, I am no saint when it comes to judging weddings. I often feel like I'm on that old TV show for weddings where you judge everything at the wedding from the food to the dress to the first dance to the song choices. And this was even before I started planning my own wedding. But now that I'm in the process of actually planning it, I have felt so overwhelmed with a sense of what will people think? And I actually went and got my wedding dress this week. And while the process was heaps of fun, I did find it stressful thinking like, what are people going to think about the dress I chose rather than actually focusing on what I liked? When it comes to wedding dresses, I think they're the biggest aspect of what is judged on the day because the dress can't be too expensive or too cheap. And you have to look the best you have ever looked in your whole life. And it's like every single guest is there judging you. 
And you've got to understand you can't please everyone. It's such a personal decision that ultimately you're not going to keep everyone happy. Do you know what? I've just thought of another judgment that women now face. And this is a really modern one. It's if you choose to take your husband's name, because I feel like previously it was a done thing that every woman just took the husband's name. And now we are seeing more and more women choose to keep their name or hyphenate it. And for me, I'm in a really interesting situation where my partner has a double barreled last name. So there is no way I can double barrel it. Or triple barrel. Triple barrel. Thank you, well, Sophie. Well, you could, but it would be extremely long. Yeah. All the last names are really long. And I'm so really it would be very hard. I'm really confused what to do because I could remove one of his names, but then he has strong ties to both names and it's a really difficult situation and I also feel as a feminist I feel like whatever decision I make people are going to judge me as well well you could simply keep your own last name I could exactly exactly (laughs) yeah but that's the thing I think that people now expect you to do that and then if you decide against that and go down the traditional route people have have judgments about that as well so it's really hard to know what to do I think you've really touched on it, Amy, because I think the other main reason why there is so much judgment around weddings comes down to families, because traditionally weddings were about bringing two families together. And it was all about the parents of the bride passing this ownership of their daughter over to the groom. However, these days, parents still do play a significant role in the wedding. Often they contribute significantly to the wedding budget. So it really makes sense that the people who are chipping in the money would have an opinion on how their money is spent. These days, though, weddings are becoming more about the two people rather than the families. However, the opinions of the people in the audience are still very important. And in an interview in Bustle, owner and creative director of Colourpop Events, Leah Winberg, said, This weird sense of entitlement comes over people when it comes to weddings. Things people would never do or say under any other circumstances suddenly become par for the course in the context of a wedding. If you hosted a dinner party at your home, would anyone dare tell you to your face they thought the food was subpar? Of course not. But when it comes to a wedding, people are going to let the criticism fly freely. Well, in light of the influencer getting slammed for breaking wedding etiquette, I thought it would be quite fun to actually put her say, said crime into perspective by discussing the real meaning behind wedding traditions. So, of course, her crime was wearing a white dress to a wedding. And I think everyone knows the tradition behind the dress. White represents purity and virginity. And if you wear a white dress to a wedding, it's thought to detract from the bride and be quite rude. I've got to put my hand up. I have worn a white dress to my cousin's wedding. It was not as elaborate as the influencer in question. So I think it's sort of about whether or not the person is seen to be stealing the spotlight. I think these days, and we saw it with the whole Kendall Jenner controversy when she wore that black, revealing, very eye-catching dress. I think at the end of the day, if the bride in question is happy with what the guest wore, that's all that should matter. I can totally see why people were a little bit surprised when they saw this influencer in the gown because it was quite an elaborate gown. But in saying that, it appears that the theme of the wedding was glamour. So it really did go with the theme. Yeah, I just think it's the bride's prerogative. And if she has come out and said she was very happy with what her guest was wearing, then let's just stop the conversation there. 
In terms of wedding dresses, did you guys know that before the mid-1800s, brides actually wore red dresses and it was actually Queen Victoria who started the trend of white dresses because she chose to wear a white lacy dress when she married Prince Albert. And at the time, white actually represented wealth as opposed to purity. So are you saying that if Queen Victoria hadn't changed it, we would be discussing influencers who dared to wear red at their friend's wedding? Yes, exactly right. Red is so weird to me. I think it must be something to do with love. I suppose red represents hearts and Valentine's Day, but it just blows my mind. Can you think of the color palettes we would have had if people wore red (laughs) to their wedding? I know. Well, I was kind of thinking more it might be around like virginity and purity seems to be a big topic. I was thinking, does it represent the hymen because because did you guys know the cutting of the cake is meant to represent the breaking of the hymen that is absolutely vile i actually when i was at a wedding recently where they were cutting the cake and i did say to the person sitting next to me do you know what that's symbolic for and they had no idea so i don't think that this is actually as well known as we think it is but it just makes me not want to have a cake at all Yeah, well, back to dresses. And I found this quite surprising because apparently back in the day, the bride and bridesmaids used to wear literally the same dress. And this was used to try and confuse the bride's ex-partner if he was trying Uh to steal her away. It was also used as a method to outsmart evil spirits that were trying to ruin the bride's happiness. Because the theory was, if it's not obvious who the bride is, then these people can't ruin her day. Wait, so they could obviously wear white then. So, you know, the whole non-white thing hasn't been that long of a tradition then. Well, The thing is, I don't think it came down to the color of the dress. I think it was more the style because it was made by couture designer, and I'm going to butcher this, but Oguru or something. I think you've definitely butchered that name. Yeah. Well, and it might sound familiar to you because it was actually the designer that created Olivia Rogers' second wedding dress. So it's fairly obvious that it was a very fancy dress and maybe it was a little bit too fancy because it did seem to take the attention away a little bit from the bride, particularly online. It's funny because the only reason I'd really be annoyed at someone for wearing a white dress is just because I've forgone wearing really nice white dresses before in the past to engagement parties and weddings myself. I have two funny traditions to end on. The first is, do you guys know what the meaning of the garter is? Because it's pretty disgusting. I feel like whatever the meaning is, it's going to make me not want to wear a garter. Yeah, so apparently back in the day, newlyweds were expected to consummate their marriage immediately after the wedding while their friends and family waited and listened outside. Yeah. So the groom would then come out and present the garter to the crowd once the deed was done as a bit of a like, yep, it's happened. That is disgusting. So, is this why mum keeps saying that she doesn't want to stay with you and, and <laughs> us after the at the Airbnb after the wedding? <laughs> Gonna have a garter flung at her. Ugh. Ew, yuck. I don't know. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Well, lastly, I think you guys will find this funny. Originally, the purpose of the best man was to make sure the bride didn't escape during the ceremony. So if the parents didn't agree with the marriage, the best man was actually asked to kidnap the bride. Oh my god. And in terms of the title The Best Man, it wasn't just, you know, your best friend or your brother. Back then, it was the person who was the strongest and most capable of using a sword or weapons to fight off enemies and rival attackers during the ceremony. See, this is fuck. This makes me not want to have any sort of wording traditions because it's so clear that they have been created by these misogynistic men back hundreds of years ago. So you're not going to have a best man because of well, that? Well, might have a best woman. Mm, Never maybe. know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I just think it kind of puts into perspective this whole white dress debate. And if your friend is happy for you to wear a white dress, why not wear it? Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, could you please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify and make sure you mention the podcast to a friend. I always love when people join our Facebook community and they say that they have been recommended the podcast by a friend. And if you'd like to join in on all the conversation, please head to our Facebook community, which is Outspoken, the podcast community. Please tell us what topics you did and did not enjoy because we had a little debate today about which ones were our faves. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Oh, that's soaking the fire there. <laughs> and if you would like to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok, you can find us at Outspoken underscore the underscore podcast.